Morning. Uh, happy Mother's Day uh, to you. Uh, you know, we got a, a ton going on here uh, this week and over the next couple of weeks. I, I'm super pumped because today we're rolling out all of our signups for our five Renovation U classes uh, during the summer where you can, <laughs> where you can learn, uh, that sounds like a biased woo, uh, where you can <laughs> learn more about uh, just studying God, studying, learning more. I'm so distracted now, I can't even focus. <laughs> learning more about God and studying the Bible. It's going to help you a lot. Uh, in your faith. You'll get details and announcements on how to uh, sign up for that. Also, uh, one more thing before we start here. I want you to be back here next week because next week we are going to be revealing the location and pastor of our fifth church plant, uh, which is going to start this fall. Uh, I'll give you a little hint. Uh, that was, it was, you were fair in your wooing, so that was good. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you a little hint. It's actually not very far away, so which is going to be cool. So if you're new around here and you don't know much about a church planning, one of the really unique things about our church is we start autonomous churches out of our church. So it's not a campus. They have their own name, their own DNA, their own culture, but we train them uh, in how to start a church. We send some of our people, that's you, uh, to go start this church, and we're a, a huge part of their funding as well to start a church. So why in the world would we do this, right, to get another different church started? Well, we do it because our mission as a church, is not to build the kingdom of renovation. Our, our mission is to build the kingdom of God. And so the pastor of our new church is going to be here next week for that announcement as well. So be here. It's going to be great. All right. You know, 10 to 15 years ago, I don't think I would have even dared given a message on today's topic, which is setting up boundaries for rest, because I basically had no boundaries. Uh, when I was 22, uh, I had started graduate school seminary uh, full-time, and I was working 25 to 30 hours a week on top of that. I just never stopped. And when I was 27, uh, I started this church. And I knew that starting this church was going to be one of the most important seasons of my life. And so I worked, and I worked hard. I worked 75 hours a week, 13 weeks in a row, without a day off. And I got uh, about six months into this church after grand opening, and I was already about ready to burn out. So it's like, oh, that's great, until it's not great, right? Until I learned from some people much wiser than me to actually take a day off. I'm pretty confident, actually, looking back, that if I hadn't actually started to take a day off, that I wouldn't have made it a much past a year, maybe two years into this church. This morning, as we are in week three of our Exhausted series, I want to talk about how we can actually plan out our rest how we can create boundaries and find a rhythm of rest. Now, in the past, Christians used to do this by taking a Sabbath. Now, I know uh, many of you in this room know what a Sabbath is. Uh, you grew up with it. But for many others of you in this room, uh, particularly if you're maybe under 30, maybe even under 35, we're becoming so far removed from those days that you might even not even be that familiar with the word Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath was a command in the Old Testament to take one day a week to not work, but to, to rest. So for the Jews, which were God's people in the Old Testament, keep in mind Jesus was a Jew, the Sabbath actually occurred from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. And Saturday was, and still is, the day that a Jewish person would worship in their local synagogue. Now, Jesus comes along to earth, and after Jesus is resurrected on a Sunday, Christians begin to worship on Sundays instead of Saturdays. And then, although the New Testament makes no specific 
mandate of this, Christians also began to switch their Sabbath, their day of rest and no work, to Sunday instead of Saturday. And so for much of the last 2,000 years of Christian history, the Sabbath was an important part of being a believer. Uh, Many of us in this room grew up kind of on the tail end of this. I can remember when I was seven or eight. Now, I grew up in rural Minnesota. You know, most things are still closed on a Sunday. In fact, I remember when the local Ben Franklin store uh, put up a huge banner, and it said, now open Sundays, 10 to 3. And the town just collectively (gasps) gasped, because it was still kind of the tail end of that Sabbath culture. But now, not much is left of those days, right? But if you go back 100 years, Christians... Did this on, here's what Sunday looked like if you were a Christian 100 years ago in, say, 1919, and you drank great root beer or something, right? <laughs> so you would go to church on a Sunday morning. You would probably potluck for lunch. You would rest in the afternoon. You would do no activities that resembled any sort of work. And then you would actually go back to church again on Sunday night. It was a complete day of rest and worship. Now, historically, that's interesting, right? But remember, we must always ask the question, what does the Bible say about this topic? The Bible is our guide, not America 75 years ago, nor is it America today. We look at Scripture. So what does the Scripture say about the Sabbath? Now, believe it or not, um, this might shock you, observing the Sabbath is actually one of the Ten Commandments. Now, Christians certainly observe the other nine, right? We don't make idols. We say, oh, okay, don't commit adultery. Do not kill. And even though Christians generally, I feel like, adore the Ten Commandments, most Christians in 2019 actually don't observe the Fourth Commandment, which is keep the Sabbath. So here, here it is from the book of Exodus, which is where you find one of the two places of the Ten Commandments. Uh, this is the Fourth Commandment. So I'll just read it to you. Uh, it says this. Remember the Sabbath day keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Okay, so now some people end the discussion right there for Christians. They say, there it is. Uh, It's in the Ten Commandments. Stop working on Sundays, you heathen. Okay, (laughs) I would say, although if they were consistent, they would actually say stop working from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. But we don't just have the Old Testament, right? We have the New Testament. And much of the Old Testament laws and rules are fulfilled in Jesus. Let me give you a couple examples. So, for example, uh, in the Old Testament, as a major part of worship, believers were supposed to sacrifice animals. Right? But we live in the New Testament era. When was the last time you saw me slaughter a lamb on stage? Right? It's been at least three or four weeks. Right? No, we don't do that anymore, right? Because Jesus is our lamb. He's our final sacrifice. It's fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, the Old Testament tells believers that they're only to eat certain foods. Like you can't eat pork, those sort of things. Well, that's not, we had a pork truck out here on Family Fun Day, right? Why? Because Jesus in the New Testament declares that all foods are clean. The Old Testament tells believers that they need a priest 
to help mediate their worship of God, to bring them closer to God. But now the New Testament tells us that Jesus is our high priest, so we don't need that anymore. So in so many ways, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. Now, if you're just starting to study the Bible, this is actually a pretty tricky thing because there are things in the Old Testament that we still follow and we still observe. So if you're just, if you're like, ah, I am, what is happening right now? One of the things I want to encourage you to do this week is go to our website. You can write this down if you want. There's a cool new search tool we have on our website on the messages page. And you can look for particular messages. So if you go to the website and you search for Exodus 23, uh, one of the things you'll find is there's a message called The Bible Says That, and it's an entire message dedicated to this principle. How do you know when you apply the Old Testament and, and when you don't? The reason that I even bring this up is because many Christians now will say that Jesus, just like all those other examples I just mentioned, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath, that he now is our rest. And thus they would say that we don't need a specific day, like a Saturday or a Sunday anymore to find rest. We just need to be going to Jesus to find our rest. Actually, the writings of Paul in the New Testament seem to sort of lean this way. Look at Colossians. This is a fascinating verse. I think a lot of Christians don't even know about this. This is chapter 2. Paul says, Therefore, don't, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration. Or he's saying, don't let anyone judge you in regard to, what does he say? A Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So it seems like Paul is saying in this passage that things like the Sabbath were put in place like a shadow to point you to this greater rest that would one day come in Jesus. Uh, If you read Romans 14 this week, you'll see there's a really similar verse in uh, Romans 14. Okay, well, what did Jesus say about the Sabbath? One of the things that you notice in the Gospels is Jesus is constantly sparring with the religious establishment about how they are observing the Sabbath because they had turned the Sabbath into this way to earn God's favor by obeying all these rules. And they added all of these extra rules that weren't in the Bible to how you should obey the Sabbath. And so they would say, if you walked over three quarters of a mile on the Sabbath, sinner, that's working. That's like working. I had all these rules that defined what work was. For instance, if you poured any sort of liquid into a cup, that's like work. I see you with your coffee cups. Sinners, right? That's what they would say. You couldn't ride an animal. You couldn't start a fire. All of those things they said were sin because it was work. And Jesus comes along and he says, okay, so like if your child falls in a well, you're not going to get them out? because it's work, and he just starts going after them, saying, I think you're completely missing the point. And then he gives them the point. In a fascinating verse, Mark 2.27, here's what Jesus says. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So in, in other words, the Sabbath was put in place to be a blessing to humankind. It's not a command placed on you as a burden. I actually think this is a fascinating verse because if Jesus said this, you kind of have to ask yourself philosophically here, if Jesus is saying, hey, the Sabbath is meant to be a gift to you, would his then real intention be, hey, but seriously, don't observe the Sabbath anymore? (laughs) Are you feeling confused? I actually kind of hope that you are in a weird way. Here's why. 
when you read through the Bible, the vast majority of instructions in the Bible on how you are to live your life are pretty cut and dry. It's simple, right? But when you come to the Sabbath, it's a tough one. And there are a few issues like this in the Bible. So should Christians observe the Sabbath, like on a particular day? Well, there's a camp of Christians that are going to say, yes, absolutely. Pick a day and observe it. But there's also a lot of Christians that would say, well, not technically, but the principle of it remains. We are to find our rest in Jesus. And then there's a whole lot of other Christians, and I would guess that's many of you in this room uh, who believe this, and you're, you're wrong, uh, by the way. And they would say, yes, Sabbath sounds nice. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. Okay, so how do we do that? Like, how do you do this then as a Christian if we're not clear exactly on how this should look? Okay, when you find places like this in the Bible, and there are kind of two schools of thoughts, of thought, one of the things that you want to do is study the Bible for yourself. Look into it. What do you see that the Bible says on this topic? And then you want to go to the Lord and say, God, how can I apply this to my life? You know, I think there are a few principles that we can all agree on. Like, here's one. Most of us are exhausted, right? If any culture has ever needed something like the Sabbath, isn't it us? Like, okay, there are certainly cultures before us in history that have worked longer hours than us, but I don't know if there's ever been a culture as hurried as us. I don't know if there's ever been a culture that lives as frenetic of a pace as we do. Without ever taking a break, a Sabbath, if you will, we just we never stop, and it's a problem. Now, in his uh, well-written book, uh, "The Rest of God," uh, Mark Buchanan uh, tells a story about his wife's grandma, Alice, who uh, lived in British Columbia in an area where the gold rush uh, once took over. And uh, one day, Grandma Alice was out in her garden. And she started polishing this really large stone. And it was so big she couldn't move it out of her garden. So she thought, well, if I just kind of, you know, smooth it out and make it beautiful, it could be like a centerpiece of my garden. So she begins to sand the large stone. And as she's sanding it, she begins to notice this thin sifting of gold on her stone. And her heart just begins to race. And so she starts to sand faster, kind of leaning her whole body into it, and more gold is appearing on the stone. And her, her, her heart just begins to just dream of money, right? And the vacations she should go on, and the homes that she could buy, until her heart just sank. Grandma Alice was working so hard, she started sweating, so she kind of wiped her brow, and as she looked, she noticed her wedding ring on the bottom had been completely reduced to just wire. And in all of her sanding, she had sanded off the bottom of her gold wedding ring. And the gold on the stone was just from her ring. You see, I think it's a good picture of society. Because in our culture, we go, 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 and we work, 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 work. For what? For a lot of people, it's for gold. It's for things. Or it's just the chase of it, the pursuit of it. It's just to say that you have more of it than someone else. But in so doing, we tend to damage the things that really matter. It's like we never stop anymore. We never just live anymore. Like, when's the last time you just stopped just to enjoy God's creation? 
was the last time you just stopped, put everything away, and just enjoyed talking with, being with another person? Now, the same author, Mark Buchanan, he writes this in this book. He says, I've squandered treasures in pursuit of dust. I guess that gold. All the times I never swam in a cool lake with my children, I made a snowman or baked sugar cookies with them, lingered in bed with my wife on a Saturday morning or helped a friend in need, all because I was in a hurry to, well, that's just it. I don't remember what. I don't know about you, but I read that and that just cuts me to the heart. It's like we've been saying in this series, when we don't prioritize our lives, we find ourselves on this hurried path to who knows where, and we miss out on the things that really matter. And so maybe we need something like a Sabbath as a discipline to help us reprioritize. Disciplines are important. Uh, They teach us deeper truths. Uh, Let me give you a few examples of this. Uh, Like the spiritual discipline of fasting, uh, which is abstaining from food for the sake of uh, dedication to prayer. What what does the discipline of of fasting teach you? Well, while you do it, it's actually teaching you, it's training you to say no to your fleshly urges. Uh, Here's here's another one. Uh, The discipline of tithing. Uh, If you don't know that word, that's the biblical practice of giving 10% of your finances back to God. Well, this is fascinating because what does that discipline teach you? Well, the discipline of tithing trains you to trust that God can provide and take care of you. Like, even if your mind tells you, well, actually, it would make a whole lot more sense if I had 100% of my money, then obviously I would be more taken care of, I could do better. But the discipline of tithing is the thing that teaches you to trust and surrender to God's ways, not yours. See, the discipline of Sabbath is actually no different from that. Because, yes, your mind, just like in tithing, is going to tell you that if you had 100% of your time, well, then, of course, you would be better off, right? Of course, you could accomplish more. But by setting aside a time, uh, even a day, to not work, to just rest, you're declaring God through the discipline. You're declaring, God, you're in control of my life. I don't have to make it all work. I'll find life your way, not mine. Okay, so what could this look like? It's, I get it, it's you know, modern times now. What, what could this actually look like in present day? I think what you're looking to find is what I would call Sabbath rhythms in your life. You, you want to set aside time to rest a weekly, probably even daily, maybe even annually. Okay, let's, let's start with the weekly rhythms. What would it look like to have a rhythm of Sabbath, a rhythm of just being off for a while in your weekly schedule? Now, if your work schedule doesn't allow for that right now, maybe you can just start with a half day. You work towards a full day. Now, Sunday is a great day to Sabbath. But remember, according to Paul in the New Testament, there's not one way to do it, right? We can each find our own rhythms here. Uh, for example, obviously, I can't do uh, Sundays. Uh, there's something I usually do on Sunday mornings. I can't remember uh, what it is, but I feel like I'm typically uh, busy. And so for me, I don't, Sunday's not my Sabbath, if you will. For me, that day is a Monday. And on Mondays, I do zero work. Seriously, none. Zero percent. Uh, every Monday, I shut off my email. Uh, it's not pushed to my phone. 
So unless I were to go, I shut all the fetching, the pushing, all of that off. So unless I was to actually go to the app and, and tap it, I won't see it, which I never do. Uh, my staff knows not to contact me on that day. Uh, they don't text. Uh, they don't call. Uh, if they have a question, they just email me. I'll check it on Tuesday morning when I'm back at work. And I do the same for them on their day off. That's our culture. We've established a culture of rest, a rhythm of Sabbath in our workplace. And I'll tell you something about this. I've been doing this for years now. Uh, I work hard during the work week. I probably work too many hours. That's probably a different subject. Uh, but by Sunday, by well, the time I get to tonight, like a Sunday night, I'm, t- I'm tired. But by Tuesday morning, I am pumped. I wake up ready to go to work. I'm like, let's do it. This is great. I'm ready. How can I do that? Well, it's because I spent an entire 24 hours letting my body, letting my mind rest. So I'm ready to go. Do you have a day in your life where you could do this? And you want to find a couple of Sabbath rhythms in your schedule. So it's not just weekly. You can find even daily rhythms, maybe in the evening each day, where you can have a rhythm of just being off. And yet this is really hard, right? Especially in our sort of tech culture. Uh, For those of you that work, I find that it's harder to leave work at work than ever before, right? A generation ago, people could go and they could just clock in, clock out at work and then go home, right? I mean, sure, there are people who kind of took their work home with them, but now it's like your work follows you home. For some of you, your boss might as well just move into your guest bedroom, right? Because they're just pinging you all night long. Hey, did I get your report? I need that by 9 o'clock. Why didn't you respond to that, right? And this is all night long. They expect you to check in even when you're on vacation. Okay, I get that that's the culture, that everybody's just on all the time. You're supposed to work all the time. But just kind of, woo, let's wake out, up and out of the culture for a moment. Okay, any scientist... Uh, Any time management expert, any pastor is going to tell you that your body wasn't built to work like that. We need to have rhythms of resting and recharge. So when you establish a Sabbath rhythm, maybe weekly, even daily, you need a time where you're just totally off. Uh, For some of you, that's just totally off your phone. The problem is, I would say 95% of people in 2019 have no Sabbath rhythm in their life, even daily. For, so for a lot of you, your evenings kind of look like this, right? You finish dinner, or you're kind of hanging. You're ready to be done for the night. Maybe 7 o'clock for you. It's 8.30 for some of you. You sit down in your easy chair, your couch. You're like, oh, all right, I'm off. I'm off. Oh, hold, hold on a second. I gotta, I gotta get to this email. I gotta do this. Right. All right, okay, I'm, I'm off. All right. Oh, another notification. All right, I'm on. Okay, now seriously, I'm off. The, oh, I forgot. I gotta go type this up. We just go on and off and on and off and on and off. And you're just doing the robot all night long, right? And it's exhausting. It's just an exhausting part of our culture. We're just on and off and on and off. That's not what God wants for you. He wants you to establish a Sabbath rhythm of off in your life. If you're in a place right now where you're having to work all day and your boss is just kind of expecting you to check in all night, on vacation, whatever, you're just always on, start looking for a different job. Like, don't quit the one you have until you find find one. 
But don't sacrifice your spiritual life, your family life on the altar of your career. You go, go, ahead, go ahead and tell your boss and say, listen, I actually will be more productive for you if you let me just be off once in a while. I'm not going to burn out and quit on you in a year. Now, I get it. There's about 30 or 40 of you in the room that just went, seriously, it's never going to happen. I, like, it's, that's the culture. I couldn't, I literally couldn't do that today. It's just like that everywhere. I want you to keep something in, my, in mind. For millennia now, devout Jewish people have continued to keep the Sabbath every Friday night at sundown to Saturday night at sundown, and they do it. Now think about this. In doing so, they accept all types of criticism or difficulties that might, coming, that might come with doing that, but they do it. Why? Because we're to find our worth first and foremost in our God, not in what we can accomplish with our hands. You were made for him. In Deuteronomy, that's the other place where the Ten Commandments are listed, there's this little kind of extra phrase about the Sabbath. I'm going to read this to you. I think this is important. This is Deuteronomy 5. It says this, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Slaves in Egypt. And that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. You were slaves, therefore observe the Sabbath. What is, what is Moses saying? He's saying, you used to be slaves in Egypt. You worked seven days a week. You're a slave. You're not a slave anymore. You're free now. You don't have to labor and work all the time. God took you out of, the, out of Egypt so you could go and worship him, it says. The Sabbath is a gift to you. It's a blessing. Okay, so here's how I establish, I, I talked to you a little bit about weekly. Here's how I establish uh, Sabbath rhythms, uh, even in my daily life. I'm not perfect at this. Uh, when I'm at work, I try and be present at work. Uh, when I'm at home, I try and be present with my wife and kids. So one of the principles I have in place is uh, once it's five o'clock and I'm leaving the office, going home, I stop checking emails. And they, I, I tell you, they keep coming in. <laughs> But I stop checking them at 5 o'clock. Uh, on my really good days, I actually leave my phone in my car or on a counter somewhere. So I'm not even tempted to look at it. I'm not perfect at this. But you know, it is a miserable feeling to multitask work and family. A ton of you know this. Right? It, I, okay, like if it's a Saturday, and let's say I'm trying not to check my email, I'm just playing with my kids, and let's say I just give in and do it, right? Because we do. What happens is I'm playing with my three kids in the living room, and I look at it, and I go, oh, you see something. It's some crisis, something you've got to fix. You're going, oh, man, I'm going to get to this right now. Meanwhile, someone's going, Daddy, will you play with me? I'm building the greatest Lego, or whatever, right? And you're like, you just, you, you just intook, in, that is not a word, you just brought in the stress of the email right here, right? And now watch, you're going to bring it out on this little person. So they say, Daddy, will you play with me? And, and I'm going to go, you know what, just hold on a second. I just need to get to this. Can you just be quiet? And then you just press send, you're like, oh, I forgot to take the angry part out that I typed in right away when I saw it, right? Okay, what happens when you multitask family and work? You're not good at either. You're not good at your job, and it's hard to be a good parent. 
Oh, we are desperate in our culture for these Sabbath rhythms of learning to set periods in our week, in our day, where we're just off. Okay, what does this need to look like in your life? Uh, for those of you that want to carve out uh, a day, even, and you're saying, we're going to do Sundays, or we could do Saturdays, or Mondays, or whatever it is, you want to look for things that are going to bring you rest and rejuvenation. Like sleeping in. Amen? When I was in college, I used to sleep into one in the afternoon. Somebody should give me a trophy for that. That is a, Now, sleeping in, you know what sleeping in is? If, if I tell my wife, like, I'm going to sleep in tomorrow, it's going to feel so good. We're talking 645 <laughs> until chaos is broken out and I need to get up, right? You can sleep in. Make time on a Sabbath day just to go for a walk. Take a nap. I'll maybe go out for lunch. If you've got little kids, just time to just get on the floor. Just look them in the eye and just play with them. You know what you do with your phone on a Sabbath day? You just throw it in a pond, right? <laughs> Don't do that. That's poor stewardship. Like, put it, put, it, put it somewhere, right? Put it away so you can just be. Can you not just feel that you were made for this? God made you for this, to rest with him, with his people. If you're kind of determining, okay, what else would I do for that day? One of the, I think, rubrics or filters you can apply to it is just asking, will this bring me rejuvenation? Does it bring me rest? So grocery shopping, does that bring you rest? I don't know. Maybe it does. But for many of you, it probably doesn't. How about mowing the lawn? I actually like mowing the lawn. I feel like I'm accomplishing something, right? It gets my mind on something else. It rejuvenates me in a weird, freaky way. So you're just applying that. What brings you rest or rejuvenation? And then ultimately, you're recognizing that your rest is found in Jesus. And so the Sabbath was meant more than anything to be a day of rest and worship. So how can you set aside time to just have extra time to seek God on that day? And that's why for a lot of people, Sunday ends up being a real natural day. And so you can just say in your family, hey, we're just going to set aside Sunday every single week. You just kind of cement in that every week we just start here with worship. We get our minds straight. But then you, you want to carve out extra time if you can, because you're not checking your phone 100 times a day. I just bought you 45 minutes at least right there, Okay. And so you're taking extra time. Maybe you're going to go on a walk later in the day and you put some headphones on and you're just talking with God and listening to worship music. You're setting aside a rhythm of just being off so you can be on to God. He just desires so much to be present in your life, to speak into your life, to move into your life. So find this rhythm of Sabbath and let God speak into it. All right? Okay, let me pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, and we just declare to you that we need it. We need it to just speak into our culture and to get us just focused on you. And God, we pray that you would teach us each individually how we can rest in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.